want to talk about contagion for a minute. Have you heard of this, this idea that things are contagious? So as we always do, I'd love to get some input from you all. You can shout out or uh, chat or unmute. What does it mean to be contagious? And I, I know the risk of this. Say yes. Excellent. When you're sick, you can get other people sick. That's fantastic. Yeah. And this comes by close contact. Right? And so you already answered my next question in part. I would love to hear more. What are things that are contagious? And so sickness is contagious. What are some other things that are contagious? What was that? Laughter. Excellent. Excellent. What else? Moods. Yeah. Yawns. Yep, that's good. Not, not right now, though. Of course not. No yawns right now. Okay. Laughter, that's okay. Um, yeah, something else. Yeah. Oh, fashion? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anything else? Kindness. Yeah, it's good. That's good. Which do you think is more contagious? Good attitudes or bad attitudes? So here's my theory it's easier to get pulled downhill than uphill. Right? It's hard to get pulled uphill. Downhill, you just give somebody a little nudge and they're going down. And so I think bad attitudes are pretty contagious. Right? It's, it's the variant, the Omicron. I don't know what number we're up to, but bad attitudes, we've got all sorts of variations. They're very contagious. And so this is an obvious question, but is sin, is unkindness, injustice, laziness, you name it, contagious? And yes, what a world we live in, right? No wonder things keep going downhill when negative things are so contagious, right? It's so contagious. It just spreads so fast. And we wrestle with what's the right kind of social distancing? Is there a mask I can wear over my face that I won't be you know, so prone to get caught by the spread of bad attitudes? I want to think for a bit today of what are God's people to do in a contagious world. So let's pray and ask God to speak. Our Father in heaven, we thank you uh, for the privilege it is to gather together as people who long to see you, who want your presence. Father, we ask today that by the Holy Spirit, you would speak, that we would hear from you today. And we ask that that you would infect us with your goodness, with the glory of heaven, and that that would be contagious through us by your Holy Spirit. So we ask that you would do your work, bring a deep encouragement and a boldness in following in your ways. We thank you for the Bible and what it teaches and the Holy Spirit who does his work in us. For the glory of our God. Amen. Title today is so close, and we'll talk a bit more about this drawing in a little bit. We're in First Peter today, First Peter four, and let me say a word about that. Um, when there is a fifth Sunday in a month, and July this this July has a fifth Sunday, it's a regular pattern to say let's let's step back and think about what God is calling us to do. What is our vision uh, for who we are as a people? And, uh, and so you'll see as we go along, it was, I was drawn to this passage, a handful of verses from 1 Peter 4. Uh, I'll encourage you to have that in front of you. It's a short passage. I will have it on the screen as well. 
Um, and there are the links for the handouts as well as the text up there, um, handouts in the room as well. Uh, let me say a little bit about the setting that Peter was writing in. Uh, in Peter's day, uh, it was a community where the people were very spiritual. Um, they were very actively aware of spiritual forces and things that, that's not just the physical world. Um, for them, it had idols being a key part of it. So the interesting thing is they, they believed in this supernatural world, the spiritual world. They created physical objects to help them in that process. And these physical objects were then mixed with all sorts of sexuality and drinking and feasting in a way that didn't fit God's design. And this is just a part of every part of life. You go to a community celebration, a community festival. You go to a sports competition. You go to the market. And they would be focused on the idols and the food for the idols and the sexuality and the drinking and the feasting that would go with that. You couldn't participate in society without encountering this. And so it's not too surprising that these Christians who were in those communities didn't fit in very well. (laughs) They struggled to connect, especially when they said, yeah, there are are gods, but there's really no God but one God. (laughs) And that was problematic. If they were willing to come in and say, oh yeah, we worship another God, we don't have an idol for him, but we still worship him, and we'll just add him to the mix, everybody would have said, that's fine. But when they said, no, there's no God except the one we worship, they didn't fit in so well. When they said there's no salvation apart from Jesus, they didn't fit in so well. People say, it's okay that you worship Jesus, just don't tell me that he's the only way. And they didn't fit in so well when they claimed that God gives commands for godly living. It doesn't really fit what society thinks. I mean, it is interesting to look back into that day and and we'll read about things that we think are horrible in their society to realize, well, maybe they didn't think they were horrible. Right? It's kind of like somebody stepping into a market economy and say, greed is not a good thing. And we all nod and say, well, yeah, you're right. But I don't know. You know, It's not gross to us. Greed isn't gross to people who grew up in the context of free markets. right? But people who aren't in that, they look at that and say, what an awful thing. Who thinks that's good? And the Christians stood up in that society and said, these things that you all think are really good, they're actually bad. And so Peter was writing to people who didn't fit in very well. And they're trying to figure out, how are we supposed to live? So fast forward from Peter's day to our day. Maybe not too much is different. (laughs) Maybe not much is that different. That as long as we don't talk about ex- exclusive claims of Christianity, and then, yeah, fine to talk about spiritual things and gods, and uh, that's all good. Just don't tell me that my way might be wrong. And don't tell me that my morality isn't good. It, it seems so good to me, so don't tell me. And so I think in a lot of ways we live in a world and an experience as Christians similar to what the people that Peter was writing to experienced. That this mismatch between God's ways and society's ways, it leads to conflict. And it led to conflict for the people. There was this disconnect, and sometimes it was just the kind of conflict where people say, no, you can't say that to me. I'm offended by that. Sometimes it became more like a persecution that was uh, even being put in jail. But a lot of the time, it was just people making comments and not associating with them. 
And so, put very simply, Peter said, in that context, stand firm together. Rejoice in the gifts of the Spirit today and in the glory of Christ's kingdom someday. Hang in there through this tough time, but, but hold on together. So, here are the verses, 1 Peter 4, 7-11. through 11. I'm going to read through it and then just a few comments as we go through it. Peter says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Let's just walk through some of those words. The end of all things is near. Peter says the end of all things is near. And one of the ways that people think about this is that Jesus has completed the work of salvation. On the cross, he said, it is finished. And so now we await the full experience of the salvation when he returns. It's all taken care of. It's all done, except he hasn't come back to fully implement it. Peter says, set your hope fully on this, the fullness of this grace that you're going to experience. You've already experienced grace, but only, only just a taste of it. Set your hope fully on the, the full experience of this salvation when Jesus returns. He says the end of all things, this, this fulfillment of all things, that all things will find their fulfillment and completion in Christ. And yet he says the end of all things is near, which he wrote almost 2,000 years ago. And if it was near, we try to make sense of, well, what does that mean? Well, so here's the first part of the drawing. I think of it like this, that the end of all things is near means that there's this curtain, and behind the curtain is God's kingdom and blessings, the, the fullness of it. And time is marching along till we get there. right? And, and so in this sense, this curtain separates us from the full experience until Jesus returns, that until we, we die or until Jesus returns, out there is this thing and time is moving us closer to it. Right? Time is, is moving us closer to the full experience of God's wonderful blessings in Christ. But then it's kind of strange to think Peter said the end of all things is near when it's taken so long. So here's another way that I think helps in addition to that. Maybe instead of time coming across, time is proceeding right along next to the curtain. Right? Instead of moving closer and closer in time to it, in one way, we are always living right next to God's kingdom and God's blessing. We're always right next to it. In that sense, we're the same nearness to God's kingdom and blessings as Christians have always been. Right. So instead of saying behind that wall over there where the map is, when I walk that way, I'm getting closer and closer to God's kingdom. It's more like, as a Christian, I walk right along next to that wall. And as I walk next to that wall, his kingdom and his blessings are always right there, right next to me. If that is true, then Peter said, we ought to pray. Right? He says, be alert and sober-minded so that you may pray. And here's a way that I think of prayer. 
our prayers connect us with the power and the presence of God. We're always right next to it, but there's this barrier there. And prayer is the way that we, we reach through that barrier. It's always right there, but with prayer, it brings what is near to us into our reality. That we reach into the presence of God and, and the presence of God comes and is a part of our space. We're always near. And so now we can pray. And he says, be alert and sober-minded because I know, maybe you know, it's pretty hard to pray when you're panicked. right? It's pretty hard to genuinely pray when all I can do is do whatever I can to calm myself. Peter says, we've got to be alert and sober-minded so that we can even slow down and pray and reach through that curtain and say, here is the presence of God and his love. It's hard to pray God's will when our minds are clouded and focused on other things. We're to pray his thoughts, his word, and we need to be alert and sober-minded so that we can pray his ideas, not ours. Because so often, instead of praying God's will, I pray my will. (laughs) And I pray, God, get rid of all the hard things in my life and give them to the people I don't like. (laughs) This isn't God's will. I need to be alert and sober-minded so that I will pray his will. And we know that our prayers are weak when we doubt God's power. We need to be alert and sober-minded so that we can pray. And and this is one of the things that I I just delight in, in things that are happening for us as a church. I love how in our life groups, there's so much prayer that goes on. And it's an important time in life groups to get together and share our lives. And that's so good. But it's even more valuable when we then say, so let's pray. Let's reach behind the curtain and bring the presence and power of God into this space. I'm thankful for the times that we pray when we gather together for worship. I'm thankful for the prayer gatherings that we have once a month, for the the daily prayer announcements that go on, for the ways that people pray together. Because this is a way to reach behind the curtain and bring the presence and power of God into the experience of our lives. Peter says the end of all things is near, so we'd better pray. And then he says, above all, love each other deeply. Love each other deeply. Above all, he says. Above everything else. Clearly, Jesus taught the greatest commandment is to love God. The second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. He says, above all the other stuff that you can list, love each other. Loving people is second only to loving God. Above everything, he says, love people. And he says... To love because love covers a multitude of sins. And so here's what I realize. For me, maybe for you, I don't know. But for me, I naturally use people's faults to justify not loving them. I say, well, they're not really in a place where I should love them right now because they're not being very good. (laughs) They've offended me. So now love isn't required, right? He says, love each other deeply in a a sense that this is earnest, it's hard work, it's pursuing, it's saying, I'm going to love you even when I can find fault in you. Instead of doing that, we're to love each other deeply and especially not letting others' faults stop our love. It's so much easier to say, no, that's somebody I don't have to love, that's somebody I don't have to love because of their behavior. And that's not what Jesus taught. He says, love your enemies. Love those who curse you. Now, I do want to say this. There's something it doesn't say. Peter doesn't say, love covers up a multitude of sins. 
Right? He doesn't say, oh, just bury all those sins. Don't pay attention. Don't. So this is where correct, rebuke, and encourage are all expressions of love. Right? So, so we don't cover up sin. We don't let sin stop love. But correcting and rebuking is still an expression of love. To, to love people even when there is wrong and there's offense, it's to keep seeking their good in God. To long for their blessing in God. It's to end the cycle of retribution, of getting even. To say, you know what? This back and forth that says, you hurt me, so I'll hurt you, so you'll hurt me, so I hurt you. Love ends that. And says, no more ill will. I long for your blessing. And that might come with a rebuke, a correction, but it's seeking your good. And I love in this community a wonderful commitment to growth together. And I have to say, I'm not very good at this. I find out it's sure a whole lot easier to say, I love the easy people. I love the people where it's going well, but you know, if I can find fault, I think I'm off the hook. And that's not what Peter said. So if I made up the passage, I wouldn't have put this in it myself. <laughs> but he says, love covers a multitude of sins. Love does not get stopped by sin. What's it look like? Well, correcting and rebuking. There are times when there's a distance. There's, there's no time for ill will. There is no time to seek to get even. We are to love each other deeply. And he said, we're to love or to offer hospitality. And this is one thing that's a great connection that we have with most of the people that uh, Peter was writing to. Uh, that is, without a church building, opening homes is pretty critical. <laughs> they would have their worship services most of the time in people's homes. And, and they couldn't say, oh, is there a time that the building's free and we're going to go do something there? They didn't have the, the Panera, the Starbucks, and say, let's go hang out there. Right? So often it was going to be in people's homes. And it turns out that's harder to do when there are offenses or differences or tensions. And Peter knows that because he said, well, do this without grumbling. Because <laughs> we say, oh, that's not going to be easy. And we grumble. And he says, well, don't do that. Open your homes, open your lives to each other. Right? Open your homes and your lives to each other without grumbling. Um, so I've told you this before, and it's so important, I think, to see this, this technique called lightities. And lightities, here's a great example. You won't be sorry if you visit Lake Michigan. And we don't mean, well, you know, it's, it's not going to bother you if you go there. You know, you're not going to be angry at me that I sent you there. No, we say you're going to love it. You go to Lake Michigan, it's so cool, it's beautiful and sandy and you swim and the waves and all this great stuff. And we say, uh, you won't be sorry if you go there. That's lightities. We say that we say the negative won't happen, meaning the positive is really good. And so when Peter says, offer hospitality without grumbling, he says, do this with glad eagerness. Say, this is a privilege to gather together. To say, we can be together as the people of God. And again, I, I just am thrilled at the ways I see this happening in this community. The, the, the meals together, um, people who open their homes and say, hey, we've got a celebration, anything from Thanksgiving or Christmas to we just have some food and we'd love to have people over and take the initiative and say, let's go out to eat after the service and just creating space in our lives. And it's wonderful to see people doing that and caring for each other. 
It's a beautiful thing to offer hospitality, to create space in our lives and our homes with eagerness, even when it's a little bit challenging. And then he goes on and says, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. He says, you've each received gifts, now use these to serve. And you know, what are the gifts of God? And there are some lists in the, in, the, uh, in the Bible, but I just put it so simply. Whatever we have that can benefit or bless others, that's a gift. If you have something that could be a blessing to other people, that's a gift. Whether it's resources like money, it's abilities, it's strengths, it's time, it's your home, it's whatever it might be. And in this sense, hospitality is kind of a special case of using your gifts to serve people. I have space and I can invite you into it. Now, this actually plays into how people think about career choices, right? Human thinking is, well, figure out what your gifts are and now make a career out of it. Find a way to make some money using that. Find a way to, 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 to have some success and to bring good. And, and that's human thinking and it's not wrong to do that. Only it's wrong if we don't have a bigger emphasis on God's design, and that is, how can we use these things to benefit other people? Some of us love words, and we love thinking, and and we love interaction around this, and we say, oh, I wonder what career I could get into where I could use that. And some of us love to do things with our hands, and it's right. It just there's nothing like it, and and it's good to say, I would love to have a career that matches me, that it matches my strengths, and I find satisfaction in it. And God says, look for a place, same thinking, but look for a place where you can bless people with it. And that might be in your career. (laughs) It might be outside of your career, wherever it is, say, this is how God has made me. How can I serve people with that? And so the call is to, to figure out our gifts, to develop them and use them to serve. He says, use whatever the gift is, whatever it might be, use it to serve people. And then he highlights these two different categories, these words and strength, actions, and words. So this very simple overview of the gifts that God gives. One is words. And he says, if, if you are gifted in dealing with words, speak God's truth. Speak what he wants said in the way he wants it said. All right. and, and especially the great gift in this is to speak the Bible and the gospel. And to say, yeah, I, I can get together with people and say, look at God's word, it's so good. <laughs> I could explain this, and and it's good to to teach and to communicate other things. But to give priority to say, if I'm good with words, where could I use that to point people to God and his truth and his revelation? He says, if you can speak, speak God's words. Speak his message in his ways. And then he says that if you're an action-oriented person and you you can serve people, well, use God's strength for God's purposes. Right? Serve in the way that he wants. Serve with joy and kindness and, and perseverance. Use the strength you have to bring the blessing of God to people. And so this is what's so valuable is that, that both of these are beautiful and good and godlike. Peter doesn't teach any sort of priority and says, well, what really matters is if you can speak the Bible. Now you really have it, right? He doesn't say that. And, and, and we're tempted sometimes to say, oh, if only I had that gift and I meet other pastors and I come home with gift envy. See, if only I were like them. Only I had their ability, right? And, and this is a wrong way to think. I say, God, you made them different from me. That's great. 
Help me to know how you made me. Help me to do that. And so I, I love in us as a community to see how both kinds of gifts are in active use and valued. And it is true. Some of us are just so hands-on and practical to say, if there's a task to be done, I will do it. And some of us just love ideas and thoughts and interactions and, and, and talking, and it's wonderful. And there's no place for judgment between the two. Say one of them's good and the other one's not so good. The one we have to prioritize, and let's try not to let the other one take over. It's like, let's value both of them. That we would use the words of God and the strength of God to serve so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Right? The reality is that the gifts of God are for the glory of God as people are blessed. He says that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Right? And this, this idea that, that Jesus is the one who opened the way for us to have new life in God. He is the one who has given us the gifts by the Spirit. Jesus Christ is the one who has made it possible for, the, for us to do this, to speak the words of God, to serve with the strength of God, so that he would, so that the Father would be praised through Jesus Christ. He has made it possible for us to serve, every one of us, for the glory of God. And again, I, I just rejoice in this community, this, this wonderful heart of people who are eager to use their strength, eager to use their, their words to bring glory to God, to point to God and his, to his kingdom. Not to say, look at us, or you should, be, you should be more impressed with us. There's such a heart that says that God would be known, that God would be praised. So let me just read through these words again. The end of all things is near, Peter says. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. When I look at this passage, and I've been processing it this week, I think it's clear that God calls and empowers each one of his children to love people by serving them with the gifts God has given. God calls each one of his children and empowers each one of his children to love people by serving with what God has given this includes words and actions and resources. This is empowered by prayer. This is being done so that God is praised through Jesus Christ, even in the difficulty, even when there's tension or sin or difficulty. God calls and empowers every one of his children to serve in love, as an act of love with the gifts God has given. So I want to play with this drawing a little bit. This idea that there's the kingdom of God and his blessings, the full expression of it. And it's been breaking through, but the full expression is not here yet. As time goes on, we still live on this side of the curtain, right? We still live on the side where what we see and experience is so much brokenness. And we all need God's presence and blessings. And yet, I don't know if it's true for you, sometimes his presence and his blessings can seem far away. 
It can seem like it is off in the distance. And so, like this person, right? We, we say, I might be right next to it. But God's presence and blessings seem to be on the other side of the curtain. And, and this is true for people who live without Christ. It's also true for us as, as we, we live struggling to know His presence. We live without His presence so often, sadly, without His care and without His provisions. And yet, this is where, since we're right next to it, people in Christ can reach through that curtain and find the abundant resources of God. There's a lot of Kleenex there, by the way. Um, the abundant resources of God. But I think there's even a better way to see it. And that is God himself in the Holy Spirit reaches through that curtain and gives the grace of God to the people of God to serve others. The Spirit of God gives the grace of God to the people of God to serve others. And he says, this is what you're to be. The kingdom of God is right there. It's so close. The Spirit is handing you the grace of God in his various forms. Use this to serve people. Right? God's kingdom and his blessings are always near through the people of God. And so just to walk through it again, right? Some of us either literally or metaphorically are starving. Maybe we're starving for food or we're starving for relationship or hope. We are starving and, and it can seem like, sure, there's wonderful blessing on the other side of the curtain, but not where I live. That when we are without Christ, we're without his presence and his care and his provisions. And yet, the people in Christ can reach through the curtain and bring the wealth and the riches of the kingdom of God. And in a powerful way, this is what the Spirit does. The Spirit of God gives the grace of God to the people of God to serve others. Because his kingdom and his blessings are always near through the people of God. And if you're a little bit squeamish, um, that's quite a broken leg down there. Um, <laughs> But this is our lives sometimes, right? We feel so broken in our relationships, in our struggles, and we can feel like we are without the presence and the care and the provisions of God. And yet, people in Christ can reach through the curtain. And even more, the Spirit of God gives the grace of God to the people of God to meet the needs of people. God's kingdom and his blessings are always near through the people of God. And so this is what Peter says. When you live in a world that's broken, where it feels like the kingdom of God is not present the way it ought to be, he says God calls and empowers each one of his children to love people by serving them with the gifts God has given. To summarize it for the commands of Peter, the first is to pray. Peter says, pray. And I think in a powerful way, prayer is our access to the power and the presence of God. We say, we need the presence of God here. We need the resources of God. We need the blessing of God. And so Peter says, pray. And it is true. Prayer requires alertness. I have to be able to think. I need to be aware of myself and my own struggles in my heart. I need to be aware of other people and, and, and their struggles and their needs. And I need to be aware of God and the work that he is doing. It takes alertness to pray. And, and it requires being clear thinking. It requires clear God-oriented thinking to know his will. What is God doing? Because I keep praying, God, make life easier for everybody. Just make life easier. And I need to understand the will of God. As God says, I have so much more to give people than an easier life. I want to give them my nature, my character. I want to give them joy. I need to know the will of God to be able to pray. 
So James says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Powerful and effective. When we pray, it's not just a waste of time. It's not just a pleasant thing to say to people. If we really pray, we are really serving in a profound way, bringing the presence and the power of God into people's lives. Challenging statement, though. Prayer of a righteous person. Well, what is that? I think a righteous person is somebody who is walking next to that curtain and longing for the presence of God. Somebody who says, I'm going to live in and by faith in Jesus Christ. So in the application, just for your own thought, I say, how's your prayer life? Where does it stand? And what do we do about that? And I'll say, for me, the most basic thing is to pray with other people. Praying together is one of the best ways to grow in prayer and to pray. One of the most powerful things that we can do. So often, in my own world I grew up in, all the commands of the Bible are turned individual commands. <laughs> and it's good to pray on your own. But I think the expectation was, most of the time we'd be praying with other people. It's one of the best ways to grow in prayer and to pray together. And so this is where we have our monthly prayer gatherings. It's usually the third Sunday. And, and so August 21st will be our next time of saying, let's get together and pray. Praying in life groups is so important. Praying in our worship services together. And I encourage any time that we are together at a meal, after the worship service, somebody raises a concern, let's pray. I, I do come from a tradition where it's so good. We say, hey, we're going we're gonna to eat. Somebody bless the food. And that's good to do. It's a wonderful space to also say, what else do we really want from God right now? Who needs help now? Where do we need the power and the presence behind the curtain of the kingdom of God? And we need it here. So let's, let's take the chance right now to pray for that. Uh, two other things to highlight for you is we do have this prayer chain as a church that you just agree to get emails periodically that say, here's something to pray about. The daily prayer email that says, here's somebody to pray for. Whatever it might be, Peter says we need to be alert and sober-minded so that we can pray to bring the power and the presence of God into our world. And then to serve with deep and earnest love. Right, Despite our natural tendency to let other people's faults be an excuse not to love, we need to love. And this can include and should include correcting, rebuking, and encouraging. Prayer should include attitudes and words and actions, right? An expression of prayer is not just when we stop and, and talk directly to God. It's also when we ask God to be at work as we're working. And clearly, God's model is the abundant life is to serve, right? The fullness of Jesus' life is to serve, Peter says, let's serve each other. Let's serve each other in an earnest love. And as we do that, we do that using what God has given to bless others, to glorify God. So this is really important, is to figure out our gifts, words and our actions. And for some of us, immediately we think, oh, well, I'm good at this and this and this, right? And some of us struggle to say, I'm not sure I have anything that's of any value to anybody. And God has given all of us gifts. And, and we do need to, to say, well, what might those be? 
And when we say, well, here's a possibility, because I can serve people, I can be with people, then we say, what could we do to develop those gifts? And one of the best ways to develop gifts is practice. <laughs> to start doing it. But ask questions. Find somebody else who's good at that. And then let's love people using our gifts. It's clear that in Peter's mind, the, the primary thing that he was thinking was loving Christians and serving Christians. He says, love one another, show hospitality to one another. Clearly that was key in his mind. And yet Jesus so clearly demonstrates that we are to be loving and serving everybody. The, 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 the rain from God, the sun, the, the blessings of crops, he, he gives this on all people. And I think it is generally true that God's blessings begin before conversion. That, that people discover blessings from perhaps from other Christians. They're experiencing this goodness before they know what the source of it is. And we are to love. We are to serve, using the gifts of God, especially for people in need. And we should love people toward God, right? for the praise of God, his words and his strength for his glory. And so to say it directly, every one of God's children in Christ is called to serve. Everyone is. This is not something that's for the paid staff or the people who have official positions or the most mature, the, the people who have extra time. Every Christian is called to serve. And so we do believe that every person at Crossway is called to serve. It's, it's to be a part of using the gifts that God has given to serve people, to meet the needs of people. And in that journey, if you need help, ask. It's a wonderful journey to have together to say how God has made us and where are the places that we can serve here and beyond. Peter says that we're to pray, we're to serve with deep and earnest love, using the gifts that God has given to bless people for the glory of God. I'll just say briefly, one of the things I, I find encouraging is that we've got a set of core values as a church, and this fits so well. Um, we have a, a core value about the Holy Spirit, and here's a, a line from it. We believe that God, the Holy Spirit, empowers and guides his church through the Bible and through his presence among us. And so we're convinced that we have the gifts of God by the Spirit of God to serve the people of God and beyond. The Holy Spirit is the one who reaches through that curtain, gives us the gifts to serve with. Uh, we, we have this core value about the priesthood of all believers, the statement, we believe that God equips all of his people in various ways to lead and or to serve in the church, including men and women, the older, the younger, as well as people, all people, irrespective of their experience with English and the length of staying in the U.S. All of us are meant to serve and or lead in the church. Peter said, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. And so God calls and empowers each one of his children. We believe that and want to find ways, how do we live that out? And then the last one to mention is our diverse unity. We deeply value our unity in Christ in the midst of the richness of diversity of his body and in our congregation. Uh, there's a great word that Peter used to talk about the variety of the gifts of God, the variety of his grace. And one way to translate it is multicolored. So we see that God's multicolored grace is expressed through our multicultural community because the gifts of God aren't equally distributed across all individuals and all people groups. Some groups have wonderful gifts in one area, so strong and good, and another group has other gifts that are so good and strong. 
And when we come together across our differences, we see God's multicolored grace and experience it. And so it is our goal that everyone at Crossway is receiving care from others and everyone at Crossway is serving others as gifted, whether formally or informally. So when I think about our world, in our world of sin and unkindness and bad attitudes and wrong behaviors that are all so contagious, God calls us and empowers each one of his children, every one, each one of his children, to love people by serving them with the gifts God has given. And so the next time you walk near a curtain, next to a wall, right? think the kingdom of God is like it's just right there. And the Spirit of God gives the grace of God to the people of God to bring the blessings, the kingdom of God, near to those in need. And so here's my hope, that we would be contagious, that we would bring the infection of heaven into our world daily by prayer and faith and action to the glory of God through Christ. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we rejoice that the, the end of all things, the completion of all things, your kingdom is near. We thank you that by your spirit, you give the blessings of your kingdom to your people and you empower us to serve. Thank you, Father, for the ways that you were doing that. We long for you to do that more and more, that the taste of your kingdom, that, that the contagion of your kingdom would be known as we love in acts of service with the gifts you've given for the glory of our Savior. In his name we pray.